Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 572, with Robert Mescalado. It should be someone you, your architect, and your contractor, they should all be able to work together and work as a team. Look at your contractor more as a, an arm of construction for your business. Don't look at them as, okay, I have a contract with him, and I'm going to nail him to the wall, and he's going to nail me to the wall. It doesn't work. Don't try to set up boundaries based upon a, a legal agreement. Set it up based upon a working partnership. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cashflow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Until now, welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethic Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicsuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Robert Mescalado. My man, Robert, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable today. Yes, that's what I like to hear. So Robert Mescalado is the founder of Hospitality Construction Services, a restaurant general contractor who specializes in building Michelin star and Bib Gourmand star restaurants in D.C. They work very closely with chef owners to discuss their needs and provide value engineering and other solutions for delivering unbelievable spaces on time and under budget. So 2019 is right around the corner, and part of how I want to improve Restaurant Unstoppable is by going deeper, doing deep dives into specific topics and getting experts on the show. So last week, I had David Denny on the show. He's an expert on uh, hospitality law, and this week, I'm speaking with our boy, Robert, who is a expert on hospitality construction and if you're wondering where i'm getting these guests i'm just listening to the restaurant tours that i interview basically they're telling me what to do what they've done and i'm going to the people that they went to to get the expert help so we had jason boso who went to david denny for his help with the intellectual property and i had chef Hydair from Chloe and Andrew Dana from Timber on the show. They were back in D.C. earlier this year, and these guys went to Rob for help in their construction. Today, we're here to talk about three things. Selecting the best general contractor for your job, how to get the most out of your meeting with a general contractor, and construction shortcuts and or pitfalls you want to avoid. So obviously, I cannot wait to get into that content, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Well, I always believe that it's treat people the same way you want to be treated, but also success is defined differently among people. 
people. Some people want to be a Michelin star chef. Some people just want to provide good food. Nice. I don't have to add anything to that. So I kind of gave the listeners uh, an idea of who you are, but why don't you just set it up a little bit more? Tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Let's get a, an idea of who we're talking to and why you're an authority. Oh, sure. Well, I've been building restaurants now for well over a decade, just in the D.C. area. Um, my business partner and I, Sean, started up hospitality a couple years back. And at this point, I've done with both of my businesses, I guess you want to say, I've done over 180 some restaurants Jesus. just in this little metropolitan area. And we definitely try to help everybody who wants to open a restaurant. And we don't necessarily need to build everybody's restaurant, but we will help them get to the to the finish line, however we can. So when did you start specializing and working specifically with restaurants? How long does that date back? Oh God, that goes back uh, 2005 or earlier. Going back, the industry is really, really small. And once you do right by one person, your name gets around town for being a good guy and a hard worker and that you're willing to try anything in order to try to help the project along. So way back when I met a gentleman by the name of Jeff Black and he gave us our first opportunity and since then, once we did one, he spread the word and then we do another one and got better and better. And each time people were just starting to seek us out and tell us, hey, you need to be the guy to do my restaurant, but we still want you to, you know, what can you do to help? We want to hard bid it. We want to value engineer it. We want to negotiate it. And it, it literally took off from there. That's actually goes way back. That's how I met Chef Hyder was because the second job I did was for Mark Culler, which was the gentleman who was a good friend of mine and he passed away. Uh, very, very abruptly. And it was very sad, but Hyder was his uh, executive chef. And that's how him and I became friends. Uh, when did you, I mean, when you first started working with restaurants, it must've been kind of like a, a steep learning curve. What was it about this industry that really sucked you? I mean, I mean, you had a reputation for yourself, but was there a part of it that was really interesting that you just kind of were drawn to? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely love food and I love the restaurant industry. I mean, Obviously, I'm not a professional chef, but I, I like to dabble in it. But I come to the table with a different expertise. These gentlemen know how to run a kitchen, and I knew how to build fairly large-scale projects. So it was like I was, I was teaching them what I knew about construction, and they were teaching me about the restaurant side of things, which was really exciting. So, you know, everything from learning that if you buy, well, if you buy a pizza prep station versus buying a uh, mise en place, it's pretty much the exact same thing. It's just one's more expensive than the other because it's said in French. So <laughs> all these different things are what made it really exciting because, you know, it, it's, it's an exciting industry no matter how you look at it. So one thing I'm really interested in, when you first started working with restaurants, um, there must have been like curveballs left and right, things that were just so strange to you. Uh, what were some of the biggest unique things specific to the restaurant industry that you just kind of weren't ready for or you had to learn the hard way? how demanding it is. I mean, in the case of a corporate structure and dealing with the older businesses that I were in, uh, you know, I worked at John, I built a building for John Hopkins and dealt with the university of Maryland and a lot of corporations. It was, you'd show up, you'd give a timeline, you'd be, you'd wear a suit to the meeting and you would all talk about the schedule and the budget and anticipated dates. In the case of restaurants, as soon as you put a shovel in the ground, they're trying to tell you they need to be open. So it's, it, the, the amount of pressure that the chefs and the owners are under in the restaurant industry is significantly more than if I'm renovating some guy's office building. They just want to make sure it stays on track and they stay in their budget. Restaurants, they tweak the, the job from beginning to end. I mean, you could be in the middle of a project and they'll ask you, hey, what do you think about we're going to hang a car from the ceiling? 
because they thought of it one night and they're like, <laughs> well, I don't know, but we'll try to figure a way to do it. So, I mean, why do you think it is, it's like that with the restaurant industry? What, what, what is unique about the people within the restaurant industry that make them operate so much differently than everybody else? Oh, it's the level of creativity. I mean, there's all sorts of different people, but, and, you know, obviously I don't want to sound terrible, but when's the last time you had a meeting with a CPA that was exciting and fun and adventurous? You, uh, <laughs> you, but you meet a chef, these chefs are, some of them are absolutely so dynamic. They're trying to create stuff in their mind all day long. And well, that translates to the experience they want to provide to the, the people coming to eat there. So it could be everything from swapping up the table finish at the last minute to some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen. I, it, it wouldn't be, I was told uh, two weeks before we were to open a restaurant, they wanted to install a pool in the front patio. Well, guess what? It had to be done and it got done. But it wasn't a lot of fun getting to, getting to that moment, but it happened and we made it happen. So when you're working with commercial real estate, maybe, maybe it's general with commercial, but is there any specifics to the restaurant industry that you need a specialist to, on, on your team that, I mean, what things do you know that the general contractor doesn't know? The general, general contractor. <laughs> well, that's, so, well, yeah, I mean, the restaurants are very specialized in the sense of what they are. And I'll give a, a basic translation, especially when it comes to the pocketbook. The, in your house, the most expensive rooms in your house are your bathrooms and your kitchens. Well, that's primarily what a restaurant is. It's, <laughs> right. it's, you have more bathrooms than you would have in a normal property. And your kitchen is massive. And it's very detailed. But, you know, the, with regards to code, code is it's standardized across all the industries. Each one has their own regulatory affairs. So when I build in a commercial property, I'm following the same standards. There are more steps in restaurants because you have health, you have, you know, people dealing with liquor licenses, you have different zoning requirements. But for the most part, the IBC, the International Building Code, is is standardized across most of the United States. So, I mean, if you're in California, if you're in Florida, you have different HVAC requirements, but it's still pretty standardized. And you know, I wouldn't say that it's possible for anybody to build a restaurant because we've seen a lot of people call us in an emergency because they had to fire their general contractor. Just a lot of infrastructure is the biggest part. But so, it, I mean, it's that yeah. it's the all the things we mentioned before, the codes, licensing, uh, the permitting, all those interesting things. But more importantly, I think it's also just knowing the industry, knowing the lingo and understanding chefs and restaurant owners and exactly what it is that they need. Right. And that, that that's so unique. It's like trying to figure out somebody for the first time, but it, it, the first question we generally ask when we're getting into a meeting with somebody is like, okay, tell us what kind of food you cook. Because there are so many different formats for kitchens. And, you know, a good example is you see a lot of restaurant tours, the bar design. Uh, a lot of these kitchen equipment companies do the designs for them, and it's always the same thing. It's like a mirror image on both sides. Well, I only know like a handful of left handed people. So why would you set up a bar to be? a mirror image. So the ice bin is on the left and on the right and the soda guns are towards the middle. So you, you kind of look at things a little bit differently and how people need to operate their restaurant. I mean, uh, Jeff Black once said there is no such thing as wasted space in a restaurant. And I'll be honest with you. We did a project, a couple of projects in DC where there are nooks and crannies that you wouldn't believe we fit stuff into. I mean, whole areas that are storage that are like attic ladders going up into a secret room so you can hide, you know, you have all your paper products and stuff like that. So it's, it, each one's got its own different, different styles, like Hyder versus Andrew Dana, totally different oh, styles. Absolutely. One's making a great pizza. The other one's making, 
imperial Chinese mixed with classical French cooking. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Completely different. All right. I think we've set up the listeners. Uh, they've got a good uh, idea of who we're talking with and what makes you an authority. Uh, let's dive into today's uh, topic. Again, the, the three things we're going to cover today, uh, construction shortcuts you should never take, uh, selecting the best general contractor for the job, and how to get the most out of your meeting with a general contractor. So starting yeah. at the top. Do number uh, two. Do number two first, then number, number two three, first? and then number okay. one. Yeah, because that sets it up like, hey, how do you meet your contractor, <laughs> and what do you want to talk to him about? Okay, so and then the we'll first, go into the other one. Yeah, so the first thing, okay, the first thing we're going to cover then is selecting the best general contractor. Start there. Okay, well, you know, in the process of picking the best general contractor, I'm going to have to be honest. You know, I always recommend people interview multiple contractors. Not everybody is meant to get along with everybody else. I mean, I'm divorced took me two shots to get it right and get married the second time correctly. So it's the same thing with people. You, you don't want to have somebody that's sitting across the table from you that you just don't feel comfortable with or even confident in. Uh, it's, it's a very personal touch. You, I, I don't know how, hard I, how much I can stress that, but if you don't get along with somebody – don't build a restaurant with them. You'll be miserable. Oh, man. I'm loving what you're saying. This kind of reminds me back to what we were talking about before uh, we hit record. I think one of our pre-interview chats, uh, like last week, you were saying, um, think of your general contractor as a partner, uh, an extension, one of the people that are on your team, right? And whenever we talk about this all the time on the show, whenever you're going into a partnership in the restaurant industry, you're literally marrying that person to a sense uh, because you're going to be spending more time with them than you are your family. Maybe with the general contractor, it's going to be more of a short-term marriage, but still, you got to make sure you like this person. So really, vet that. don't just go with the, the best price. You know, Go with the person that is the best fit for you is kind of what I'm hearing. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of credentials that you should obviously check. You know, you don't want to, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, you've got to kick the tires and check under the hood and make sure that they have the requirements. I wouldn't go out and hire somebody just because they're your friend either. I would say, you know, how, do they have restaurant experience? It's critical that they know how to put it together rather than just be a general contractor. Anything else you want to add on to that or can we go to the next bullet as far as, as far as selecting the best general contractor for the job? Yeah, I would only add that it's a small industry. Talk to people that you've worked, you know. I mean, there's a chance that you're looking to build a restaurant and you worked in a kitchen with somebody a decade ago that you're still friends with that has built their restaurant already and find out what they have to say about their contractors. You know, maybe there's other choices. I'd also recommend that you never look, like you said, and I'd mentioned before, I never want to look at a relationship as being a, I'm a contractor. I get to operate in this little box and you don't talk to me and the architects over here. It should be someone, you, your architect and your contractor, they should all be able to work together and work as a team. Look at your contractor more as a, an arm of construction for your business. Don't look at them as, okay, I have a contract with him and I'm going to nail him to the wall and he's going to nail me to the wall. It doesn't work. Don't try to set up boundaries based upon a, a legal agreement. Set it up based upon a working partnership. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So the next bullet we have uh, is hard bid your best option. What do you mean by that? Oh, uh, well, in the case of construction, there's a handful of ways you can do it. Uh, there's construction management where you have a guy who's going to be your project manager and superintendent, and you're going to hire the subcontractors. We don't recommend that a lot because, well, it's awkward when owners tend to deal too much with subs. It's you guys don't have the experience, and on the same token, that's what we do. Um, another item is, is there's negotiated and hard bid. Those are the two most common options. In the case of a hard bid, you go out, you get three general contractors to price the job, 
and they give you the number based upon what is on the drawings exactly. If something is not there, unless you're dealing with a kind of, like our organization, we won't give an incomplete number just because we see something missing. We'll break it out and show everybody, hey, look, you, there's no uh, doorknobs on your job. There, It just got missed on the schedule, on the door schedule, but we picked them up and we put an allowance in there to cover it. If you go a hard bid, don't be surprised if there's a change order thrown at you for information missing off of the drawings. We highly recommend that people do a fee and GC proposal, which is where you get three general contractors to give you their weekly costs and what they expect to make as part of their overhead, their fee, and interview three, get that information. Contractors won't be upset if you ask for that. In fact, it's a very streamlined process. You'll know what their weekly charges should be, and you can budget that portion of the work. The rest of it comes up with the subcontractors, but that would be bid after you negotiate with one of these guys. Okay, so why is it so important for us to get subcontractor references? What did you mean by that? Well, subcontractor references are very important. So are general contractor references. If your general contractor hasn't built a restaurant, I wouldn't be I wouldn't want to be the first guy unless you're building like a you know a little food cart. Uh, in the sense of subcontractors, we always recommend that you meet subcontractors, and we hope that owners actually have people that they know that are subcontractors. One, it helps spread the load. We know we have other people that you might trust and we trust. And it helps get more numbers into the bid package so we can help value engineer or pick the best guy for the job. So it's, it's very important that you meet the subs just like you would meet any general contractor to make sure that they're going to be the right fit for your project. Okay. Uh, so I'm, so the only one we didn't hit is the kitchen equipment contractor. Okay. So let's dive into that. Yeah, it's the, the same thing applies with the kitchen equipment contractor as it does with subcontractor references and uh, you know other industry partners and, and whatnot. Find out what your, construct, your kitchen equipment contractor has to say about the GCs you're talking to. Most likely, there's only going to be four or five kitchen equipment contractors within the area at most, maybe a couple more depending upon the size of the city and the, the jurisdiction. But talk to them. They have probably done couple hundred restaurants in the area and you can find out a lot like, Oh, Hey, I've worked with a, B and C, but I didn't really like C a was probably the best choice. You should interview them and see what you think. So it's this is, a, yeah, this comes up tactic. a lot on the show. I mean, just, just networking, right? Just, just taking the time to, to talk to people, uh, to, to get to know people and to not make it so transactional, uh, but doing your homework, but what's, what's the best way to approach these people when you're looking to do your, your homework? Like, uh, should you take them out to coffee or are you just calling them up on the phone? Like what's the, uh, appropriate way to, to get this information? Don't be a douchebag. I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to really say it. You want to you want to have a polite conversation with them. You want to listen to what they have to say and and understand that this is their expertise and respect that. I mean, nobody likes to be kind of like pushed around or even worse, you know, just plucked for information with no kind of reward for it. I mean, a cup of coffee is nice, but most of the time, if you were to ask your kitchen equipment contractor, what do you think of some guys, and you honestly sit and listen. They're going to tell you and you're going to get good information out of it. Okay. So I think we pretty much covered everything under selecting the best general contractor for the job. Anything we didn't miss, anything you want to talk about before we go to the next bullet, which is how to get the most out of your meeting with general contractor. The general contractor, as we mentioned before, you guys should be able to partner up is really the idea. But one of the things that you need to realize about your general contractor is contractors know what things cost. 
you're going to get a lot of information before you ever meet the contractor because you'll already be dealing potentially with an architect and an engineer. The difference is, is they're, they might be writing the recipe, but they don't know how much the ingredients cost. And that's what the general contractor knows. So make sure that you're able to talk to them and understand what they're saying about, oh, hey, look, you probably want to look at some other options because we know that this material is going to be expensive. And I think that's one of the... Or even better, um, using different type. Yeah. Nuts. There's a little bit of a lag. I apologize. Just keep going. I'll let you finish your thought. Oh, no worries. A couple other items you want to make sure you get with your general contractor on, and nobody wants to do this. And me and my business partner do not understand why. If you're trying to partner with somebody, everybody wants to keep their budget so close to their vest. We're not asking for like the very last penny you want to spend, but you got to kind of give us a budget. We'll be able to tell you if you're being realistic up front, or is it a pipe dream, or are you going to be spending way too much money because that's just ridiculous. We're not going to lie to you about it. So know what, I understand holding your cards close, but on the same token, work with your general contractor. Let them see what kind of budget you're working with and have them help you figure out, you know, permitting costs, inspection costs, everything that, that falls outside of what the engineer and architect drew. We'll be able to help you guys with that. I think this is one of the the biggest areas where it's so important to get a general contractor specific to the industry because of that budget, because there's, you must, I mean, how much closer are you to getting on as close as possible to uh, setting a realistic budget? I mean, you must have seen other people who aren't, don't have the experience you have throw out budgets that are just way off. I feel like with, with somebody who's so experienced, uh, having that accurate budget because you see it all the time in the restaurant industry people they, they create a budget and then they end up going over by like 25 percent or even 50 percent i mean does that happen as often when people go to work with you are you more i mean are you how much closer do you usually get to hitting that mark when they work with you well we like to be involved from the very beginning and that's a good way to help control costs um before an architect puts on and it's a good example there was a tile that was drawn by an architect that it was a bazaza tile And we got this quote for this tile, and it was, you know, maybe a wall that was supposed to be nine foot tall by 15 feet long. It wasn't anything amazing. When we got the quote, the tile itself was $80,000 because it literally had one letter wrong. And instead of it being gold paint, it was gold leaf. So the back of the tile, it ended up being covered in 24 karat gold, which you can understand why that would screw a budget over real quick. So Absolutely. Yeah, we figured that out quick because we were involved in the beginning and everybody had a good laugh rather than it go down, you know, we do the bid and everybody's looking at us going, oh my God, we're, you know, $200,000 over budget. Well, part of that was because you had an $80,000 tile that really only needed to spend six grand on. So, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you got to look at things. And I would say that showing plans early so that you can kind of sort out the crap early and not end up pricing the whole job and then finding out you're 200% over budget because the drawings had crazy stuff on them is a good way to start. So I'm curious, the, uh, the lot of people that you experience uh, who don't bring the, the general contractor in as early as possible, do they typically already have their budget and they're just incorporating the, the cost of the general contractor into the budget they've already created, which is end up just usually being way off. So yeah. I guess what I'm p- saying from you is don't like wait until you get the general contractor and then bring them into the budgeting process. Don't set up the budget without them. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't a general contractor want to see that budget first? I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, that's the whole thing. It's 
it, it saves time and money for everybody if you get the GC involved early enough because we can help ferret out a lot of problems. And the bigger ones are we're we're so early on, we're involved in work letters and lease negotiations where, you know, most landlords don't want to come out of pocket. That's, you know, I mean, that's how they, you make a good living owning the property. But we get involved and we're like, no, you got to bring power to the space. We want to see if they're willing to pay for like all the storefront on the building. These are things that, you know, when a, a new restaurant tour or new owner, these aren't things that they're usually involved in. So, you know, a storefront, if it's over a quick example of where your budget can get totally screwed, you go in and you think you're just going to put in a storefront system and it's going to be, you know, $90 a square foot, you know, the whole thing. Well, if it's over 12 feet tall, you're actually doing curtain wall, which is structurally reinforced storefront, and you're looking at $130 a square foot. So right there, you've already busted you know, a good solid 20% just on one trade. So if you're, so, trying, if you're trying to be proactive, don't go and create the budget with, without the general contractor. Go get the general contractor as early as possible and then start creating the budget because they're going to see things and pick up things that you would have never thought of on your own. That's why they're there. They're the specialists. Absolutely. And no, no good contractor would require payment for, for going to the site and helping make sure that you've got everything in order before you ever even sign the lease. We'd be grateful to help because it's making our workload even less. You know, we don't have to pull feeders. Hey, that's going to save time on your project and save you money. Let somebody else pay for it. So why is discussing availability so important? That's the next sub bullet you gave me under how to get the most out of your meeting with your general contractor. Well, you know, it, it's a sad industry where a lot of people just keep taking on jobs. They just take jobs. Sean and I run our business a lot different. We are just like a, and I don't want to call it fine dining, but we take reservations. We get ourselves booked up to a certain capacity and that's it. We know how difficult these jobs are and we're not going to overbook ourselves because one, one other person's going to have to suffer if we're overbooked in order to compensate. So always make sure you find out like how many jobs do you guys normally do at a time? How many do you have right now? Could you take, Take my job on. Okay. So have you seen a situation and where somebody, I can't say that everybody's going to give an honest answer, but we will. Yeah. So have you seen the situation where, uh, somebody's kind of banking on working with you? They don't really book you fully. And then when they come around and say, Hey, like, let's do this. You're like, sorry, we can't, we we're, we're booked out. Is that, has that happened? Yes, we have had that happen. And it's, it's not fun because it, it feels like, uh, yeah, it's, just not good. We'll just so, leave it at that. To me, it just sounds like have good communication uh, and, and, you know, really make sure you're, you're communicating when and what that's going to look like. Go back and forth. Like you can't over communicate the, the, the time frame. No, no. It's, okay. it's best just to get it on the table. And if you make a commitment to somebody early on, then they shouldn't take on extra work. It's actually leverage for the ownership too. If you sign up somebody early and then suddenly you start noticing they're, uh, you're not getting the attention you deserve. Start finding out what other projects they're on, and you can really leverage the situation and go, look, we made an agreement beyond or a way in advance of what was going on. I should be getting first tips, and that's the way it should be. Got you. So the third bullet, unless there's anything else you want to discuss under ability, making sure they have availability. Uh, just making sure you understand. Uh, I would recommend that, and I'll gladly help anybody who wants it. I mean, it's a good idea to learn how to read blueprints so you can see what the architect's drawing. It's... Something that if you're going to be building a restaurant, you should be able to at least understand the basics of what you're looking at. I don't expect you to under, people to understand a variable frequency drive and how the captive air package is interlocked, but understanding how what it's going to look like and understand what the materials are that you're going to be using are. And I say that because 
we've had plenty of places where we've gone in, you've got a set of blueprints and we paint the walls with the colors on the drawings. And the owner walks in and goes, Oh my God, I hate this. This is the wrong color. And you're like, well, this is what we were told to paint. Now, granted, we go submittal processes to try to alleviate a lot of these things, but make sure you can understand what you're getting into. I'm curious. So this meeting, is this the first meeting you ever had? You're sitting down with, with these general contractors or is this the meeting to discuss becoming the general contractor, right? So you would already have those drawings at, at that meeting? It's if you, what we talked about before with the best general contractor, and we're, I, we're always looking at drawings before they ever get even issued for permit. So it might be a bit premature if you've already got a set of drawings. You might have wanted to start the process about getting a general contractor earlier. That's the whole idea. Don't wait until you have blueprints. Get the guys in there earlier. It'll only make it better for you. So this is I'm re- revealing my hand right now about as little as I know about this whole process. Wouldn't you get the drawings from your general contractor? <clears throat> so... Are you saying you're going to have multiple drawings from multiple general contractors and this is the first oh, one no. you're having with all the, of them? The, so the drawing process, you actually have to hire an architect, an engineer, and in some cases people also hire a designer too to hey, you know, deal with some of the more fiddly bits and the furniture and things like that. We don't bring drawings to the table. The owner hires an architect and an engineer to do those drawings and then we build off of them. So it's kind of that staged process. Okay. Would it make sense to go to, to the general contractor before going to the architect? I mean, would you recommend people for that or what's that process look like? It's happened to us. We've, owners have asked us to bring architects that we know that are good at what they do and are, you know, hardworking and we give great references, but on the same token, people know different people. You could, if an architect shows up before the GC, that's fine, but start getting a GC in line as soon as you start getting your architect and your engineer in place. It's it's a whole group of people. We should all be there in the beginning and work all the way through to the end. Got you. And then the last bullet that I have under how to get the most out of the meeting with the general contractor is understand the cost of materials being specified. I kind of think this is similar to uh, the story we did with the paint, right? Uh, the gold leaf yeah. paint. So, yeah. So dive deeper into the that. Style, yeah. Yeah. But the this all goes into the, the shortcuts too. It's, you know, making sure you know what things cost. And that's why you get a GC involved early. They're going to point out things when they... We see certain specifications on a drawing. We know better than to just assume it's going to stay in because it's a lot of it gets too expensive, especially in like miscellaneous metals. People want to put brass. Everybody wants brass, this brass, that you can paint metals to look sort of like brass. It's not as good, but to have somebody do that work tends to cost a small fortune. Okay, so we've covered up to this point, selecting the best general contractor for the job, how to get the most out of your meeting with your general contractor. And the third bullet point we're going to cover before the end of today is construction shortcuts you should never take. But before we dive into that, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. All right, I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. 
employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you will get a three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there have you heard of the 80 20 rule well if you haven't it states that for many events roughly 80 percent of effects come from 20 percent of the causes how does this apply to the restaurant industry Roughly 80% of your total revenue comes from 20% of your customers. That 20%, well, those are your loyal customers. Five Stars helps you get more loyal customers and helps you strengthen the bond between existing loyal customers. This method is so effective that Five Stars users have reported up to 200% increase in revenue. Set up a demo today and learn about their two newest features. Word of mouth, which allows your guests to share the rewards they earn at your restaurant with their friends. And network matching, where basically, if you get 100 customers to sign up, five stars will send you 100 new customers that have never been to your restaurant. To learn more, head over to get.5stars.com slash unstoppable. Or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you see a demo, five stars will send you a $25 gift card to some of their favorite retailers like target starbucks home depot and more get on it and we're back and uh the the last bullet we're going to cover today is construction shortcuts or pitfalls you should never take so just dive into that like what are some of the things that we should not do shortcuts or pitfalls we should just be aware of well one of the most important things is realizing that not all drawings are created equal sometimes drawings are made in a early enough, you might be finding yourself spending more money where you could have just had it, you could have saved it off the bat. Um, a good example of this is, uh, okay, if you want to open a restaurant that's got a wood-fired grill, but you also need to have a, a fryer or a convection oven of that sort, you have to actually have two different types of grease shaft coming out of your building. Well, if you didn't bring this up in the beginning, per story it, for a 10-foot section of this with all the fire wrap and the suppression systems... You're looking at easily $10,000 a story to go up. Well, if you had only needed one, that'd be great. But because you didn't bring it up early, you need two because of the code. So now you're doing $20,000 a story. A lot of landlords will do that for free if you tell them early enough. Or they'll do at least one of them because you are trying to put a restaurant in their space. Um, another, thing, another thing you need to look at is making sure that you pay attention to the schedule. So don't listen to everybody independently on this. Listen to it as a collective. I mean, you guys are going to hear it from owners and architects and engineers and even the subcontractors. It's good to talk to them, hear what they have to say. Because if you think you're going to have your restaurant open in six weeks, it better be a very small restaurant or very simple. These projects take time. And when you think, oh, hey, well, once I get my final inspection, as a good example, once I get my finals, I'm open in the next day. In the District of Columbia, as soon as you get finals, you have to wait two days because of like an oversight committee. Then there's another day to wait for zoning. Then you have to get your business license submitted so you can get your liquor license so you can get a health inspection. It takes at least a week to do this. So 
listen to schedules. Don't just assume on these items. Otherwise, you might be pushing your luck when it comes to having to start pay rent. And that's something you don't want to burn. All right. So what are some of the other pitfalls we should be aware of? Well, I would always recommend you meet your subcontractors. The truth is, is that this is the simplest of things in the world. But you're building a restaurant. Guess what? The restaurant is being built by blue collar workers, good guys. If you really want to make friends and get things done for a song, some sense of the word, like if you want to make a couple little changes, bring food, bring food to the job site, feed the guys that goes so far with our guys that you wouldn't believe it. A hundred dollars on the side to an electrician. He'd be willing to do a bunch of work for you just to help you out because he knows you're not trying to take advantage of him. Mm. Going out and yelling at people, it's probably the worst thing you can do. It's the worst thing that'll happen when you... It's just a matter of earning trust, right? It is, but you know, there's different ways of doing that. And being that you're not a builder and you're going to come in and start yelling at a master electrician... As soon as you turn your back, you're <laughs> not going to be very, very happy at all. Yeah, they're, and they're not going to want to. They're not going to be wanting to help you out either. They're going to want to be like, "Hey, look, I'm going to do exactly what's on these drawings, whether it's right or wrong." Now, wrong not being the code thing, they can't do that. But you know, if it only shows there's supposed to be three circuits, if there's only supposed to be one circuit at the bar, they're not going to raise their hand and walk over and go, "Hey, you know, they only put one outlet at the bar. That's going to be a problem if you run a blender." on this bar top and I'm sure you want an induction top so you can make your syrups and whatnot. Let's talk about this before I just go building it. If you're a jerk, they're going to put one electrical outlet at your bar and call it done. Okay. So the pitfall would be not taking the time to get to know your subcontractors and to make it more, uh, transformative relationship than a transaction. (laughs) Absolutely. I wouldn't, every one of the chefs that you've interviewed, Eric has been, Every aspect of the restaurant, from washing dishes to bussing tables to all the way up being executive chef. That's how it works in the construction industry. The guys that are up there working on the, in the field, they still want to have the same level of respect. Just like when you were when they were a dishwasher, they didn't want the chef barking at him and screaming at profanities at him. They wanted to be treated like a person. And that's important to make sure that everybody on the team works together. Okay, what's another pitfall we should be aware of? Starting too early is probably the number one sin of restaurant tours. Oh, hey, well, now that we got a price and we're all good and the budget looks great, I want you to start tomorrow. And we look at them and explain that's probably a bad idea considering some of the stuff on your drawing, like your HVAC equipment, you know, your, your air handler units, they might have an eight-week lead time. So me running in there right now and starting when that has to be one of the first things I put in, it's probably a terrible idea and it's going to cost both you money as well as us money to just stand around and wait. So, so you want to wait until you have everything you, queued up. So once one project's done, you can roll right into the next project. If, if things aren't, if it's basically a mise en place, right? Everything has to be in order. So when the time comes, you know, right where it is and it's ready to go. It's queued up. Absolutely. And, and that's the whole point of this is that you build restaurants a couple of different ways, but some people look at it as building it from the top down. Some people build it from the ground up. If we know that you're not going to get a permit, uh, or better yet, if we know that there's going to be a long lead time on certain equipment that's hanging from the ceiling, then sure, rip open the floor, put in all the plumbing, get it inspected, and put it back. Vice versa, if we find out that, oh, hey, this equipment needs to go in first above us, we're going to tell you guys and let you know, like, don't go about it the wrong way. Let's follow the correct process of installing it. A good example is as soon as everybody gets their agreement in place. Owners want us to run in and do demolition. Okay, we'll run in. It'll take us three days to demo out an existing restaurant so it's ready for the new one to go in. 
Well, the problem is most of the time you're doing a demo, you go get a postcard permit. It's just you go in, you pay your 35 bucks, and you're allowed to take a, the part, place apart. Well, after I do that, I can't do any more until the real permit shows up. So everybody hurry up, rush in, and then let's all sit on our laurels for three weeks until we actually get the real permit. We could be using that time way more effectively as a contractor in the office, getting materials released, having the superintendent get caught up on the drawings, even possibly doing more value engineering for you in order to save some more bread. So so just because your, just your contractor is not on site doing the work doesn't mean they're not working, right? Uh, if you if you build in that buffer and, and you start on time or not too early, the contractor is going to be you know doing all the work behind the scenes to get everything in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's a matter of efficiencies. That's exactly what it is. You don't want to... You don't want to go make set your mise en place up before the bread, or at least got the dough rising, because you're going to be putting the cart before the horse. Okay. So one thing I'm curious about, uh, in if you do start too early, right, and things aren't in place, and you have to sit around waiting to get a piece or to get a, a permit or whatever, uh, are you on the clock, like? Are, is the restaurant owner paying for that time, even though it's standstill? No, no. There's times and places where you would, like we're getting involved in a project that's pretty large where they've hired us for pre-construction services, but that's for a hotel. In the case of, and that's more logistics purposes because you have all the guests that are going to be in the hotel. In the case of a restaurant, your general contractor shouldn't get paid until there's a shovel in the ground with the exception of you know equipment deposits, things that are going right out the door to pay for the equipment that we need to get ordered so it gets released and it shows up, say, that six to eight weeks later. You don't give the guy the deposit, that piece of equipment's not going to be manufactured and you're just extending your schedule. So it's really more expensive just because everything will happen seamlessly, like you said, more efficiently once you put a plan together, together a strategy together, versus you, you go, you show up, you're there, you're doing work, uh, and you have to stop and do the whole process over again because you didn't take something into consideration. Absolutely. Building a restaurant is just like a recipe. That's what the blueprints are to a contractor. And all the ingredients are all the pieces, the tile, the HVAC equipment, down to the drywall and the paint finishes. This is all the recipe we have to follow to build it. And just like chefs have to follow very strict protocol with their staff, and also when they're creating a recipe, they have to do it in a specific order to produce the, the correct product we have to do the same. So when you come in and you're like, oh, I want you to do this now and I want you to do that, it falls out of a proper sequence. You're just making it more difficult for the contractor to be successful and to get it done in time. Don't get me wrong. It's a good idea to push your general contractor and see what they can do to help the schedule along and even better it. But getting too into like, oh, why aren't you painting that wall? You could be painting that wall over there when you know, on the other side of it, we're trying to do tile work. You just don't do that. Things have a progress and a flow that you got to follow. Okay. What's the next pitfall we should know about? Well, the most important one is value engineering. So going back to what we talked about before was the budget. Tell your general contractor what the budget is or have the architect try to steer it for you if you want. But talk budget early because the worst thing you can do is what happens a lot. We get a set of drawings, we price it up, and the owner goes, oh, my God. How could you make, how, why is it so expensive? And we're sitting there going, well, we're not the ones that drew any of this. This has nothing to do with us. You just gave us this and said, give us a number. And we did. And then you're mad at me for that. No, we didn't do anything wrong. It got drawn that way. So 
the value engineering though is really important. By getting the guy and getting guys like us involved early, we're going to try to make sure that you don't have to go through such a you know three to four week value engineering process after you get a bid because we're not going to let some of the stuff fall through the cracks. In fact, we're going to do we do I don't like the term, but we call it a Chinese menu. We make it so you can see all the different things and all these different options before you ever build it. So you can go, oh hey, I really did like that tile. Let's put that back in so that because. We met the budget that I wanted, and I want to do a little bit fancier here, or let's tone this down because I don't think anybody's going to notice it. Okay, what, so, ex- what exactly is – sorry, go ahead, go ahead. There's a little bit of a lag. No, 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 what were you going to ask? No, go ahead, what? I was going to ask exactly what is value engineering. Like, I, I'm, like what is that exactly? Like, what, what, what's that process? So uh, I'll give a good but simple example. <laughs> the value engineering is somebody – specifies a tile where you as an owner, you see this really cool granite that you like. Okay. You go to the store and you, you go look at all these products and you're like, oh, that's the one I love. I can't resist it. Okay. Value engineering. If I can make it look pretty much just like what you saw, but save you money, it's a value engineer item. So a good example is like tile and in the backsplashes and in the bathrooms and things like that. The fact is, is that is the customer really gaining much more value from this by going into the bathroom, going in, using the facilities and leaving. Are they really going to be mesmerized by that Pizzazza tile I mentioned before? Probably not. Probably not more as much as you were when you first saw it. So look at it that way. There's okay. things that you don't need to spend money on. I get it. I'm going to summarize to make sure I understand it. So as a, a restaurant tour, I might be my heart. I might have my heart set on something that I think is just like the bee's knees, uh, but that's going to be yep. a really expensive thing. And the question is: Is this expense going to outweigh the value that, or is the value going to outweigh the expense? Is it is it going to be worth getting this this exact piece of tiling or granite or whatever? Is that really worth it? So you're putting things into perspective before you pull the trigger, pull the trigger and buy. Absolutely. Is that going? Is that $100,000 of millwork that you wanted to spend. Really going to sell you any more burgers? Probably not. As long as your burger's good, doesn't really matter. So, you know, pay attention to the customer experience. And that's that's really where we can help a lot of these guys out. Got you. So the kitchen is a great example. We mentioned pizza prep versus mise en place. Is it pretty much the exact same piece of equipment? Yeah, it's pretty damn close. Well, why are you going to spend more for one or the other? Now, if you have your heart set on like, certain things, I get it, but put together that list early. What are the things that you got to have? What are the things that you're kind of, okay, well, we can change that up. I just want it to look like it should. And then what are the ones that you're just willing to put on the slab and go, look, we need to save money. What can we do about these items? So if there's something you got your heart set on, please tell us as early as possible. So we don't run around in circles, value engineering this thing that you're ultimately going to go, why the hell would you do that? I love that. So be clairvoyant, you know, not clairvoyant, but be clear with your people and help them out. You know, we do that with the architects. What are the things that if we value engineer is going to compromise your design intent? And they'll tell you. Owners don't know as much, but there's certain things that owners really love that they don't want to touch. So, you know, communicate and we can help save money. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but one last example of this is there are certain tile companies that are just resellers. If you give me a tile and we have to buy it from the reseller, you're paying a, probably a 200% markup on a tile. If we go and 
get a hold of this tile in advance, we can give it to the different subs we know. They might find the original manufacturer and get it for aka half price. So that's what we do. We're here to make sure you guys don't get caught in a pitfall of, well, it's too much money because you gave us, you got started too late in the process. You should always try to plan as much as you can early as you can. Let me make sure I understand. I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, what I'm, I'm hearing from you is make a list of non-negotiables, the things that are most important to you, prioritize them, and give those to your, your contractor in advance so that the pitfall is not doing this. And then basically, again, the, the, the poor communication, you, you can't over-communicate. So if you have this list of non-negotiables, the things that are most important to you, like you, you're not going to sacrifice on the budget, put that together up front, list it from most important to, to least important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a general contractor, we're a little bit different. But when we come in, we want to talk to everybody from your dish, uh, your dish pit guy, all the way up to your your bartenders and your sous chefs. We want to talk to all of them because they know all the inherent things that they don't like dealing with in the past and all the expertise that these guys have. So let us talk to them. Let's hear what they have to say. Like, maybe you have two left handed bartenders and you want them set up. So it's a left-handed bar orientation. These are things where, as this is kind of the things that we go above and beyond on, but these are things that you need to make sure you talk about as early as possible because you can save money just by talking it through. Yeah, I have this uh, vision or like this 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 uh, interaction going on in my head right now where uh, you basically you come back to the the restaurant tour with the after doing the value engineering and like really getting a, an idea of what it's going to cost and they go what that's ridiculously expensive and you say well you know you did say like this thing that that's at the top of your list is really important to you but if you go with this other option that's going to free up ten thousand dollars on the back end and now like you can you you might have budget to do everything you want if you just make a little bit of a sacrifice in that that original non-negotiable thing that you wanted Absolutely. There's three ways. It's 5%. We can change some simple things. You won't even notice it. Going to 10 to 15%, you got to do some serious digging because you're talking about on a million dollar job, you're trying to save $150,000. That's a lot of bread. So you got to be more flexible about it. Once you get to 20%, don't let anybody see the blueprints that you drew because your restaurant's not going to look like that because it's just, it was unrealistically designed or the budget that maybe the owner didn't tell the architect they really had. And the architect drew what they thought was available for the project. So that's why I keep telling everybody, you know, I, I don't go to a Ferrari dealership and get upset and go, oh my God, I didn't know it was going to be that much because people know what a Ferrari costs. In the case of a building, that's what I'm here for. I know what a building costs. Not many people do that. So talk to your general contractor about your budget so you don't go down this this long painstaking process only to find out you're going to butcher what you were you saw these beautiful drawings and you're dreaming about it at night and you get this guy that comes in and goes well you can't afford it because well you drew a lamborghini you can yeah. afford a really nice i don't know uh, no, you can afford a tesla you can't afford the ferrari yet <laughs> nothing's wrong with a honda fit either so, no. <laughs> you know, it's going to get the job car. done. Yeah, exactly. Support focus is great, too. Right. So uh, when you were talking 5% of, 10% of, or, or 20% of, what was that? What, dive oh, into that the percentage. total budget. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's the total budget. So, and, and this is where owners really need to think. They got to include how much is it going to cost for an architect? How much does it cost for an engineer? How much does it cost for my permits? How much do I need for opening costs? 
What's my furniture budget? How much kitchen equipment budget's going to be? Um, did I account for having to pay for the liquor license? Do I have opening costs for my staff for two weeks when they're just in here training? So, you know, after, you know, and this is kind of a summary of our side, we've been doing it enough that we have like a global budget. There are things that uh, not many GCs do this restaurant gig. So being able to, for us to know like all these nooks and crannies where people need to put allocations. So once you take all those that you can't change, what's left is generally all you have for construction and we have to make it work. Got you. Any other pitfalls we haven't touched on that you want to get out now? Or there are a whole bunch that we still have to cover. <laughs> I mean, you and I could do a, we could have a conference call about this for days. In fact, I would love to have on one day. I'd love to have like Heider and I be on the call with you at some point you know, or Andrew Dana and talk about all this stuff. Cause they see it different than we see it. You know, it's really interesting that you say that. Cause I almost invited somebody else to join this conversation today. Uh, somebody who I interviewed recently, Matthew Bullock, who's going through the process of GCing or uh, developing his, his, first solo original concept and i was like man it would be really cool to get matt on the, the, the call to have him ask the questions that he should be thinking of because he's going through the process right now i'll be honest like it's really hard for me to ask the right questions because i've never gone through this process it's it's so strange to me i don't even know what to ask but i feel like at the same time i'm learning way more now because i'm i'm being forced into these awkward situations where i gotta ask questions and and kind of I, I, this whole conversation was really uncomfortable for me not because you because of the content i'm so it's so strange to me you know what i'm saying Oh, I, I totally understand. It's it, it would be like me trying to step in, talk to you about what you do. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what how you do this or how you got all these listeners and all these things and how you even got it started. It's the same thing. We're all experts in different things that we do. So rely on those people. Trust those people. Interview those people. And if you trust them, then work with them. Yeah. Don't just go blind into the storm it's not going to work out very well and you're probably going to hate yourself at the end of it right so i mean is there anything else you want to drop on us as far as pitfalls before we we wrap things up and and say goodbye uh no i think i think that covers a lot of it i'd love to do more of these calls with you and if if any of your if your friend that you're telling me about if he has any questions i'll be glad i mean i don't know where his restaurant is but he's in like i said i don't (laughs) he's where he's in austin Oh, that's fine. I'm, I, like I said before, I'm not here to do everybody's restaurant, but I will help them get to the finish line on there. So if he has any questions, please, we're glad to help him out and talk to him about whatever yeah. he's got. I'm not worried about so it. So while I have you on the air, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think if, if you're listening to this right now and you had questions, right, and, and uh, you, you were like, what the hell is Eric saying? He's not asking the right questions. Email me the questions. Uh, what were the things you wish we spoke about today? And you heard it. Rob's willing to come back. We can do a deeper dive. And maybe even if you write to me, I'll invite you to join the conversation so you can ask your questions and I'll just moderate the conversation because I want to make sure we're getting the best uh, value for both of us, uh, for for Rob's time and my time and your time. And uh, if you guys have any critiques or suggestions, please let me know because I'm open ears and I I want to provide the most value here. Any thoughts, Rob, on that note? No, it's fantastic. I'll gladly help. Beautiful. Um, So I wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So you've worked with a ton of successful restaurateurs. Uh, Who is somebody that you've really enjoyed working with and believe would make a great guest mentor uh, to to share their story, to to share what they know to be true about their success in the restaurant industry? That's a tough one. My mentors tended to be more in the construction side of things. So it's a little bit different, but I, in the, in the local area, there's a handful of guys that I would say are top tier, but I would probably, you've already interviewed Heider and you've already talked to Andrew. Yeah. Um, I would, I would talk to Jeremiah Langhorn because he was, 
absolutely from when we started working with him all the way through to him receiving his Michelin star and operating a successful restaurant, he has had just singular focus and drive that's really very both intense, but also very, very singular. So he, he would be somebody that I would definitely recommend. He's in the D.C. area. He is the Dabney restaurant in Blagden Alley. Jeremiah Laymore, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show and let the folks at home know how can we connect with you if we do have questions or we want to potentially work with you. What's the best way to connect? You can reach me at my email or by telephone any way you want. Uh, my phone number is right on the main website. You can call us up. The website's hospitalitygc.com. Beautiful. Um, I'll have that link in the show notes. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 572. I'll have the links over there as well as the summary of today's discussion. And again, Rob, I just can't thank you enough. Uh, there is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Oh, thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thanks again to Robert Mescalado for coming on the show to do a deep dive into the world of finding a general contractor and uh, having those first meetings and really setting yourself up for success with that relationship in uh, the world of building out your restaurant. And I think the big takeaway for me today uh, is communication, communication, communication. Uh, Don't I think this is something that comes up often in this industry, and I'm not sure why, but holding your, your secrets, your knowledge close to your chest and not communicating uh, your knowledge, and maybe that makes you feel vulnerable. I don't know why, but it came up again today when, uh, you know, working with your, your general contractor, let them know what your budget is. Uh, the more information you can share with them, the more you can communicate with them, the better off you're going to be. And also really taking the time to find the right general contractor, to talk to other restaurateurs, to talk to other subcontractors and really vet these people and go into a a business relationship with the right person because you're going to be stuck with this person for a long time and they're going to be, you know, you're putting a lot of money into this investment. You want to make sure you're working with the right people. I also love the details we went into with the importance of value engineering and creating that list of uh, non-negotiables and communicating that with your general contractor and it's just a lot of interesting things that came out of this conversation Uh, and I, I don't know if you guys can tell but going into these deep dives and uh, really it's like for me it's like taking stabs into the dark I don't know what these conversations are going to look like I mean I'm doing the research as I'm recording that's kind of the nature of the show is I'm just going and talking to people and learning on the spot so it's a a little kind of like interviewing my first restaurateurs uh, on the show uh, and how nervous I felt doing that I kind of feel it's kind of nice it's kind of a you know uh, uh, what's the word I guess exhilarating and it's I think it's pumping life back into my work and I might feel a little nervous going into these conversations but I feel like I I'm absolutely growing and I hope you're growing too so uh, if you want more conversations like this shoot me an email tell me what you want to cover tell me what conversations you want me to go deep into and I'll, and I'll get somebody on the show I'll find an expert we'll have those conversations and uh, maybe you can even join the conversation that would be kind of cool so uh, alright that's it for today like always please do reach out to me Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com keep those 5 star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming they help so much please help me spread the word about Restaurant Unstoppable uh, the best way to do that is just by sharing this content if you find value in this content your only fee is to share it right to, to spread the word uh and if you have been thank you so much and if you're going to thank you in advance i think that's it for today thank you guys so much for sticking around this long until next time peace out